Welcome to Canine Hijinks, the podcast for those who want to explore more ways to have fun with their dogs and perhaps discover the wider world of training and dog sports. It may even convert the casual pet owner into a dog sport enthusiast. Join me, Alyssa Looney. And me, Whitney Taylor, as we share our dog training journeys, as well as resources you can use to enhance your life with your canine friends. There we go. Did it now, work? Now we're recording, apparently. Oh, all okay. right. That's fine. <laughs> I'll take it. Okay. I will edit it all out. <laughs> there might be a lot of bloopers in this one. Uh-huh. All right. Well, welcome to our special episode from the comfort of a motorhome while we are on the road to an actual agility trial. Woo-woo! Instead of our normal routine of recording these via, via a Zoom call, Whitney and I are actually in the same place at the same time. Dun, 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 dun. It's been far too long. <laughs> far too long. Far too long. So this weekend, we are camping out at the Argus Ranch Dog Sports and Training Center in Auburn, Washington. This amazing facility includes two large indoor competition rings, several smaller training rings, outdoor fields, and off-leash areas, and is home to training for a variety of dog sports, including obedience, nose work, disc, and agility, among others. And it is definitely one of my favorite places to trial. Favorite places to hang out. Yeah. With the peeps. (laughs) So many people that we haven't seen in more than a year are here this weekend. It's been really fun. So we were inspired by our trip to spend a little bit of time talking about what it's like to prepare and travel to a dog sport competition and what it's like to stay on site or in a hotel and some strategies to make your life a little easier if you choose to travel with your dog as you embark on your dog sport journey. So, do you want to tell us, Whitney, kind of the history of when we started traveling together? <laughs> a little backstory? Alyssa wrote a script that I've never seen. Um. I gave you words, but you can't see them, so you just have to make it up now. Because we're not on a Zoom call, so you can't share your screen mm-hmm. with me. So, not... Was it the first? It was the first. The first place that I attended an agility trial was um, at Sherry Butler's house. Mm -hmm. So uh, Sherry Butler was a local competitor. She lived out in um, Oregon wine country and she would have single ring competitions on her property and because they were single ring, they were very friendly for new competitors. So one of the things when you're doing an agility trial is typically what you see are two ring trials, meaning you could possibly have a run in ring one and in ring two at the same time, which is very stressful for a novice competitor and still quite stressful for experienced competitors. I was a little stressed out this morning thinking that I had a conflict and then I did have sort of a conflict later in the afternoon. So it's a thing that happens. If you go to a single ring trial, there aren't any conflicts because there's just the one ring running, which makes it really nice for new folks. So I was out there, um, our friend Jamie Winthrop, who we've talked about before, had recommended that's a great first place to trial. And so I think I was only like my second or third trial, and you were there. I don't think we actually 
traveled together, but I was no. like, oh, you're here. Yes. You helped me figure it out because I hadn't been to one before with Tug and right? told me like where to go and when it was my turn. <laughs> All the things that can be pretty intimidating. It is very helpful to have somebody show you where you should be and when. Yes. When you and, start out. And what to do. Yeah. So we did that, went to a couple of the same trials. Basically, it was um, just sort of day travel. So you'd head out in the morning and go home at night. But it was not very long after that that we decided to travel to Bend together for a trial. Because um, Alyssa's grandma lives out there. <laughs> and that meant we had a place to stay. <laughs> And in those days, things looked a little different than they do now. We loaded up our uh, Jeep Liberty. We had the split fold-down seats, so Tug and Dexter were just, like, riding loose on a dog bed that we threw in there. And Alyssa rode in the back, and uh, my husband and I were in the front, and we wandered our way out to a CPE trial. Or I think so. I think, I think it, you're right. I think, the I think C- it was CPE. Which is a different organization. So Sherry Butler always hosted um, ASCA trials, which are the Australian Shepherd Club of America. What else? And I that was sort of like, I don't know, we did it and it worked out and we kind of have been doing it for, I don't even think I want to ten, count. Ten years. Ten. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's been a while. For a while. We've upgraded, though. We have this upgraded. this motorhome is fancy. I, Alyssa has upgraded. I have not upgraded anything. <laughs> yeah, so we uh, we have stayed since then either at my grandmother's house or in hotels or in a RV of some kind yep. since then. And we even, at one point, before I had my own RV, borrowed my dad's and shoved at one point, I think six people and nine dogs in one RV. Yeah. Um, so I would say the vast majority of the competing that we do is within three to four hours of our homes. Yeah. And if we wanted to, we could compete almost every single weekend of the year within that four hour radius. Yeah. Because um, there are trials somewhere from some organization pretty much every weekend of, um, of the year. And it is not a healthy thing for you to compete every single weekend with your dog so don't don't think that if you are going to be serious about the sport that you have to spend every single weekend doing it i would say most people maybe do somewhere in the 12 to 20 trials a year yeah um which is far more than i ever do in a year um yeah i'm i i compete more than you do so i'm probably I'm easily in the like 12 Couple to times a month. 12 to 24 often. Yeah. To be fair, the Clark County Fairgrounds where there are a lot of trials is only a half an hour from my house and it's a little bit more of a, a haul for Alyssa. So I can also choose to just do two runs in a day because it's so close to my house that it's yeah. not really a big deal to get out and come back and um, it's been handy. Uh, Fractal and I have spent a lot of time trying to get qualified for tryouts and so we... I have gone, there are certain trials where there were the two runs we needed would be back to back in the morning and we'd head out and do those two runs. And then I think actually I went to a birthday party at your house (laughs) one of afterwards one of those days. So So let's start with let's start with what you need to prepare for if you're gonna stay in a hotel because to date the most difficult 
place for me to stay has been a hotel, uh, at least with Lincoln. I remember one time I had a Facebook post that said, I should never sleep in a hotel again with Lincoln. It's bad for our relationship because he barked at everything. And it Is was that the awful. night I showed up in the middle of the night with it my might two have been. dogs? Yeah, it might have been. For regionals? I think so. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so some things about hotels. One, you have to make sure it's a dog-friendly hotel. And you need to make sure you find that out in advance. Typically, there's some kind of fee that goes along with that. Usually, it's like 25 bucks or 50 bucks or something on top of your normal room cost to keep your dog in there. A lot of times, they'll keep you on the ground floor, which is handy in case you have to go out to use um, to potty your dog. And generally speaking, I always bring a crate and have my dog crated if I'm in a, a space like that or at least have it available so that I can crate them. I usually bring like an extra towel in case it's yucky weather outside. We live in the Pacific Northwest where it rains all the time. Um, uh, let's see. Poop bags. Mm-hmm. Super high on the list of important things to bring with you. Mm-hmm. If your dog gets cold easily, you might want to bring clothes for them to wear to stay warm. Um, food, obviously. Top I, of the list. I've forgotten that before. <laughs> Don't forget your food. The other thing Whitney also... has forgotten is leashes. <laughs> don't forget your leash. Don't don't forget your don't forget your leash because if your dog just wanders into the car while you're at your house and you don't need a leash to get them into the car, you might forget it. <laughs> Thank goodness there was a vendor selling leashes, and I still have the leash that I bought at that trial. Oh, except I did it once with Fractal too, um, and there was also a vendor there selling leashes. I still have that leash as well. (laughs) Some other things that might be handy for you if you're traveling and staying in a hotel. Um, Some people will bring a fan. So sometimes the bathroom will have a fan in there, but other people will bring a fan or a white noise machine to play. That way, if you have a dog like Lincoln was and who apparently needed to alarm bark at everything, you can help drown out the sounds and keep them asleep longer. Um, The other thing that's kind of a courtesy to them, if your dog is not going to sleep in a crate, is to bring a sheet that you can put over the top of the bedding in the hotel. That way, if they're up there sleeping on top of the bed, it's protected and they don't get mud or anything else um and depending on the hotel they may just have dog sheets available there are if the hotel is close to a place that regularly holds agility trials they'll take their older sheets they'll have like a big black mark on them and they'll just hand you one and check in i always really appreciated that so great idea to just bring your own stuff so that you're covered but um, if they're handing you an extra sheet at, at check-in, that's what it's for. So don't, <laughs> it's, don't think it's all that, all that weird. Um, the other, another thing to think about with hotels is just whether or not your dog has say been on an elevator. So yes. you can usually always take the stairs. Um, my dogs had ridden in an elevator many times at the office building cause I was allowed to bring my dog to work. Um, but and so they did fine, but just today Jamie was saying that uh, her dog Ledger did not appreciate the, the elevator. elevator, partly because yeah. it was a glass elevator. So that is oh, that would have been scary. Yeah, so the dog, so the dog could actually see everything going up and down. Um, otherwise, you're going to be finding the that fire stairwell so that you can just take the stairs with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I usually try for a bottom floor, but I certainly have been on upper floors before, and I remember being just 
floored that my dog didn't care about the elevator. I just remember yeah. thinking that must have been such a weird thing for him to experience. And, and he didn't think anything of it, but certainly some of them do. Um, some skills that you'll want to have are obviously being able to walk your dog nicely on a leash. Um, you'll need to be careful about them greeting people because in hotels they're not typically there to be talking to dogs. So, um, you don't want a dog that's going to rush and jump on somebody, <laughs> knock them over or anything. And then also you're not going to want a dog that barks a bunch. You can definitely get in trouble or ask to leave if your dog is too noisy. So, yep. Keep that in mind. And then I also have had to stay in hotels with puppies that I've brought home. So then the other thing, if they're not potty trained yet, make sure you have some of those potty pads that are disposable. A lot of times you might find that when you go to a new place with your dog, also they won't want to go potty outside. Yeah. That's pretty common. You might also find they don't want to eat their food um, because it's a little bit anxiety producing for them. Some of the things that can help with that is bringing something really extra tasty for them to eat, but don't give them too much because you don't want to have the opposite effect <laughs> on them. And um, the other thing is sometimes you can play, if you have a routine around dinner time, sometimes that can help them um, just get into a routine. But don't worry about it too much. If your dog misses a meal or two, they'll be all right. Especially if they get a lot of treats at trials, which is pretty common. Pretty common. So yeah. they, they can tend to come home with an upset tummy if you don't monitor if they don't eat their food yeah but they will live and then the last thing i would say is always a good idea to carry some form of first aid kit for your dog um i probably should be better about this but having some like vet wrap tweezers uh nail clippers a brush things like that um some betadine yeah would be good have a little a little kit with you that you can leave in your car or something. And they're becoming more common to find. I saw one the other day and I meant to just buy it. That because bandaging dogs takes some different things than bandaging humans, so dog first aid kits are becoming more common. Mm -hmm. I think you could find them probably at Cabela's or a um, sportsman's warehouse, those kinds of stores where there are um, supplies for hunting dogs. Oh. That makes sense. Yep. Um, the other thing that just occurred to me, no matter how you're traveling or where you're traveling to, is um, check on what kinds of diseases or parasites or bugs are common mm -hmm. in that area. So where we live, we don't have a ton of ticks, but if we go over the hill to Bend, they have a lot more of those. Or if you're going to a place where you're hiking and it's brushy, um, they might have ticks there. So if you don't commonly use tick medicine, you're going to want to prepare for that. Talk to your vet about it. Um, Bring a tick key. That's something that you can put in your first aid kit. I, When I travel down to California with Fractal, where there are can be a lot of ticks, I brought my tick key, and I checked him out in the morning, and sure enough, I found one on him. Bleh. So, got it off. Ticks are the worst. Gross. Um, ask the locals about safe places to hike in case there's snakes, things like that. You just want to make sure if you're kind of going to be going anywhere besides a parking lot <laughs> that you that you have that information on hand. So, And if you're going to a dog sport event, you'll be able to ask whoever's putting it on for that information. Um, so that's a quick rundown of hotel stays. I So we are staying in an RV. I would say our list of things that we've packed 
fact, are quite similar to the hotel. <laughs> I brought so much stuff. <laughs> Whitney brought her whole house um, for two days. I had to bring all the <laughs> podcast equipment. <laughs> I brought all the food. Um, yeah. Or most, most of it, anyway. So, same thing for dogs. Oh, we forgot about treats. No. Bring treats for your dog, no matter where you are. You're going to need lots of good treats and toys if they like toys. Yeah, and I, I think maybe we probably jumped the gun. We should have just said, like, if you're traveling to a trial for the day in your car, what would you bring? Because that list is kind of long. It is. <laughs> and, but treats are on it. Treats are on it. Treats, a chair, you, um, a crate. If you are able to crate inside, that's something that has kind of not been as available during COVID times, but inside the building where the trial is running, there may be a space where you can crate your dog so that they're a little closer. Otherwise you can crate them out of your car, leashes, treats, poop bags, a toy. If your dog plays with a toy, water, water, water for your dog, you, it, Sometimes, you know, if there's only porta potties available, there won't be running water for you to have access to to give water to your dog. So I carry a big two gallon jug that I try to keep full. And shade cloth. And shade cloth. If you're in a warm environment, you might need shade cloths or blankets or something to cover their crate, keep them warm. Yep. So you have to think about their comfort level comfort on weather and then really the thing that always I feel like puts me over the top it's all the coats and so like (laughs) I brought three coats with me this weekend I've already worn them all um and then because it's wet and we want to walk our dogs out in the grass invest in a good pair of boots if this is something that you're gonna do um I bought a pair of hunter boots they're really old now and I felt bad because they were so expensive. And bless my husband, he pushed me to buy them. He's like, you're going to use them all the time. And, of course, the first trial I took them to was in Elma, Washington. And it was oh. the April trial. Actually, it was this. it's this trial that we're at right now yes. that used to be at Elma. And that parking lot was always just kind of a Stopping disaster. Wet. And so I was really glad I brought the tall boots because it was halfway up my calf. Um, just trying to walk across the parking lot to go walk my dog. So, so then you have all the shoes and all the shoe changes, which is why it's really nice to have a chair to sit in to change your shoes. (laughs) (laughs) I think those are the, and food. So bring food for yourself, bring for your dog snacks for you, you, and we haven't talked about the trial premium, but when you sign up for the trial, there is usually a lot of information on the trial premium. They can be eight to 12 pages long. And there's only one of those pages that is an entry form. This is something that's very confusing for new people. So you have to kind of scroll, scroll, scroll. And some of the information is just kind of typical waiver stuff, but it can be really helpful to just make yourself read the entire premium the first couple of times. And certainly um, every time that you do a trial in a new, with a new sanctioning organization, there are different rules that you'll want to know about. Did you say what a premium is? Because that's a weird word for that's, a registration form. It's a registration form. But it, they <laughs> call it the premium because it includes all of the additional information. So they um, there will be like two or three hotels recommended sometimes. and Local te- vets. Local vets, where the emergency veterinarians are, if there will be food on site... 
there's usually the schedule schedule types of equipment who the judges are what day the entries close uh that you can't send them in after there's a, a lot a lot of information on the the premium so that's something to keep an eye out for but kind of it's a better be safe than sorry situation on the food so think about making sure you have some protein plenty of water for you and then other just snacks i'm terrible about eating on trial days a lot of times it is noon before i finally eat something so i try to have a cliff bar and sometimes you you're going pretty much kind of back to back to back and you're pretty busy and so you don't necessarily notice and then you're starving which is why <laughs> i like to have something that's really handy because sometimes you're hungry and then you still have another run in five minutes and you don't need mm -hmm. too much food. Yeah, I'm not very good at drinking water throughout the day. So I find myself having to make sure I take time out to drink enough water. Um, let's see. Related to RVs. So some sites where you can compete will have RV parking or tent camping spaces or whatever. A lot of times they don't have any utility hookups. Sometimes they do. So where we're at this weekend has power and water. Most of the time I would say we're able to get power, but sometimes we get water. Rarely are there sewer hookups, but it depends. Um, like a lot of trials are at fairgrounds. And so a lot of times the fairgrounds will at least have a dump station on site somewhere for you to dump your RV. So you'll want to make sure you know those details before you sign up to go. Um anywhere so that you know how to prep your RV. Um, that's important. And then, you know, inevitably you're traveling with dogs. This particular weekend is so wet. So our dogs have all, when they normally would be allowed to be loose inside the RV, they've mostly been in their crates if we're inside because they're so wet. So we have extra towels and things to wet them down and put down on the floor. And I'm sure it's still going to need a good scrub at the end of the weekend. Yep. And one thing I have found that is important to identify, though, if there's not a dump station on site, is where you can dump on the way home. Yes. <laughs> it's been a big one for me. What else do we need in general for traveling? Sunscreen. Uh, depending on the site that you're at, um, a lot of times people will set up pop-up tents and yeah. because the parking lots won't be that close to where you're competing. So people will set up pop-up tents where they will crate their dogs, stash their coolers, um, put shade cloth up to keep things cool and chairs and things. And sometimes you can see the competition field from your tent. Sometimes you can't. But um, most people have those pop-up tents in the instance that the parking is really far away. And so in those instances, you spend the morning kind of setting up your tent area and then you stay there all day. And then at the end of the day or end of the weekend, you can pack it up to head yeah. home. I think the other thing about traveling is the buddy system is so nice. Really great. Mm -hmm. um, I have, I also have forgotten hairbrushes and toothbrushes. <laughs> this, I guess I'm just the forgetful one. And so if you're traveling with a friend, they may be able to loan you something <laughs> or help you out. And typically the other thing is we call it a stupid tax at my house. If you forget things, you can go buy the thing you need. It's just you have to pay the stupid tax because you were stupid <laughs> enough to forget it. So that's the other, like, don't panic. The, the Fred Meyer is not that far from here. It feels like we're, which a Fred Meyer is like a grocery store target kind of thing. 
Uh, Kroger. Cro- oh, yeah, yeah. Kroger. I think Kroger is more nas- national. Uh, yes. Or somebody will have something. I don't know how many times you're in a field and realize you ran out of poop bags and need to borrow some yeah. from somebody or somebody forgets a leash and you need to borrow a leash or whatever. It, or it comes up. if you're Whitney and you're standing ready to go in the ring with your dog and somebody looks at you and realizes you're still wearing your hunter rain boots and not actual <laughs> shoes, they may actually loan you the shoes off of their feet to run in. Who That's did that? Julie Pitt. Uh, of course she did. <laughs> I, I bless her for noticing that I, I had completely forgotten because... I almost wore my rubber boots into the ring today. Yep. It's, it's a tough one. It's nicer when you have have the chair inside but no chairs inside so we were having to not walk on the grass and just stay on the gravel when we were coming out with our regular shoes on unless you don't mind wet feet i don't know if (laughs) if that actually is a thing well if it's turf or grass you can run barefoot i mean i guess technically you could run barefoot in the dirt but yeah i've seen how filthy my dogs are when they come off of that dirt well, right. And that's, the, I mean, really, the dogs get super filthy when they're running because they get their bellies all wet when they're walking out in the grass and then they kick up a lot of dirt when they're running. So if you're on a dirt surface, if, if you're on a dirt of course, surface, there's, I don't know if we talked about surfaces when we um, talked about agility, but there, no, we there can actually. be dirt, it could be turf, it could be grass, it could be mats. There's actually quite a variety of surfaces um, that dogs run on. We up here are a little bit spoiled because we have several venues with nice artificial turf in them to run in and um and then where we're at here at Argus they have really nicely well-maintained dirt that is easy for both the dog and the people to run in Mm -hmm. a lot of times if it's in like an equestrian arena the footing is too deep and it's particularly hard on the humans more so even than the dogs but you don't want surfaces that are too slippery or anything um so that is something to watch out for if you're kind of trying to compete. If you're going to a location that has a surface that your dog has never been on, mm-hmm. you might need to lower your expectations a little bit because surface can certainly throw them off. Um, they might not know how to move on it. Sometimes it's more slippery than what you normally train on. Sometimes it's springier. Um, you just never quite know. So you want to make sure that if you can possibly try to practice on a surface like you're going to be running on, that would be most ideal. Um, if you're competing in an organization that has any miscellaneous runs, like um, like we had today, the first run this morning didn't count for anything. You could even bring a toy into the ring and you got to see the surface and the equipment and put your dog on it before you actually did any runs that counted for anything. Um, so some organizations will have that opportunity during the trial day. But um, if you can possibly practice on it ahead of time, that's ideal. Yep. What else about traveling? It's fun. It's fun. We really enjoy it. It's ex- well, we're exhausted at the moment. We're, we're kind of tired. <laughs> the, and depending, so sometimes there will be a potluck dinner. Sometimes there will be a judge's dinner at the end of the day that will be scheduled at a restaurant. So Not uh, now. Not in now. COVID potluck-ish more <laughs> stuff um those can be nice there you you get there's a fair amount of downtime somehow you you manage to still not eat but um <laughs> or drink any water or drink any water <laughs> but it, you get a lot of time to kind of 
chat with your fellow competitors and get to know people. It's a really fun environment and people are kind of talking about the course and it's social. It can be hard when you're new because it seems like everyone knows each other because they kind of do. And you, you have to be a little brave Yep, and just introduce yourself. Say you're new. That, that gives you like the complete get out of jail free card. I'm new. I don't know anyone. I have some questions. Almost anyone will help you. Mm-hmm. You can also let the trial secretary. So when you fill out your premium registration form, your registration <laughs> form and send it in, it goes to the trial secretary. And you could also put a little note in um, and there will usually be an email address for the trial secretary. Just let them know that you're new and they can probably even hook you up with someone yep. if you don't know. And typically you can follow your instructor, your regular instructor to an agility trial. I know a lot of people do that when they get started. Just make sure that, that they know and they're aware because they're also competing. So they're going to have their own priorities and their own dogs to take care of and all of that kind of stuff. So think about that but it's really nice to have someone there to show you around and then if you are a a brave soul and you've gone on your own just introduce yourself to people and a really easy way to do it is to just compliment someone watch watch what other people are doing when someone has a run you think is really nice when they're leaving the ring say nice run good good job and they'll be like I don't know you, but thanks. <laughs> and um, it's a kind of a good way to get your face out there. I know um, when I was pretty new, I remember at some point somebody said to me, wow, you just keep showing up. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes, I do, I do this now. This dog, he likes it. And so do I. So, yeah, we're going to we're going to be here. I'm Whitney. <laughs> yeah. And don't be surprised that nobody remembers your name because usually they just know your dog. Yeah. It's just kind of how it goes. We know dog names better than people names. It's true. It's true. So, so let's talk a little bit about the dogs and travel because certainly you are taking them out of their normal routine to travel. I like to spend, um, if I can possibly get to the site the night before, I really prefer to do that just so I can take my dogs on a nice long walk, let them explore things without too much craziness around get a little bit acclimated make sure they're going to eat um find spots to potty that kind of thing and then I can figure out the trial site if I haven't been there before that way I can get familiar with it be a little less nervous the day of the trial and then um just try to keep some routine for your dog and then also remember that they need to be warmed up and they need to be cooled down after you run and also if you're new to this sport I always say lower your expectations. What your dog can do in practice when they're completely comfortable might be completely different than what they can do in the trial environment. It's really exciting. It's noisier. There's people all around. The equipment, the footing, things might be different. There's a judge in the middle of the ring when maybe they're not used to that. So just um, be proud of whatever your dog does and learn from it. So if you walk in the ring and your dog cannot sit down, then you know they're in a mental place that is too overwhelming for them to sit. That's fine. Learn from that. You might even just take a couple of obstacles and leave and have a party with them and know that they need a little more time to be comfortable there. And that's totally normal. It's totally okay. You don't have to feel ashamed or anything. Um, 
I even laugh at myself now when my dog does something amazing and then I celebrate and forget to cue the rest of the course. <laughs> uh, happened today, actually. I had a very nice dog walk. Um, it happens. It's okay. Learn from it. Train for it. Try again next time. Yeah, I think the general progression goes... You train it, and they can do it at home. Weave poles are a good example of mm -hmm. this. You'll be so proud that your dog can do six weave poles at home, and you'll tell your instructor, and they won't be able to do it in class. And then, I don't know, two to three weeks later, when they are even more comfortable with the behavior at home, finally they'll be able to do it in class. And then the trial setting is a little bit more of a question mark when that comes around depending on how often you compete um and your dog there's just an awful lot of variables for these oh. for this sport so you know it's all a journey and just take what they give you and figure out how to improve on it from there you know and for sure if you ever have questions leave us a comment on our facebook page on our website shoot us an email if you're nervous about something and don't know where to start I'm really good at helping with premiums. Ask Alyssa. It's true. I still ask her for help <laughs> to this day, I think. I even See, filled one out wrong the other day, and the trial secretary caught it and sent me a note and said, D you didn't do this part. I was like, oops. Thanks. Thanks for yep. telling me. Yeah. So, so Whitney forgets stuff, and I need help with premiums. There you go. We're, we're quite the pair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we'll wrap it up there because we're exhausted, and it's time for bed, and... That's our quick recap of traveling and attending trials with your dog. So that's all for today's episode. Don't forget to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast so you can join us for our next episode. In the meantime, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, or by visiting our website at www.caninehijinks.com. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to go out and have some fun with your dogs. Talk to you next time. Bye.